It's the RR Show, and today we're diving into a little bit of Today I Fucked Up. So, guys and gals, this is episode 224. Make sure you're following the show because we drop episodes on the reg. And make sure you check out our YouTube channel because we are dropping a lot of videos over there pretty often now. But today, grab your tea, grab your popcorn, and let's go with our first story from Public Talk 4969. Nice. Today I fucked up by accepting a fake job at a fake charity. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Oh god, where do I even start with this one? I'm gonna use fake names to protect the identities of people involved, seeing as there is currently an ongoing investigation. I live in the UK. When I finished university, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do with myself. I spent two years in an admin logistics graduate role, just generally finding my feet and paying for a place to live. The COVID lockdowns came and went, and I found that remote working really agreed with me. I hated the commute and didn't like the office environment. I'm a socially anxious person by nature and other people can easily make me nervous, so having that free space and security in remote working was really welcome while it lasted. I took a new, better paying role in the same sector in October, only to find that all the things I hated about office working were multiplied tenfold in the new place. I started looking for new opportunities. My head was really getting into a bad place and I felt burnt out and tired. I go on Indeed and start applying for remote-only roles wherever I can find them. I'm quite IT literate and figured I'd take a shot at applying for some entry-level IT roles as well. Lo and behold, two weeks later, a seeming answer to my prayers. I get a phone call. Hi Mike, I really liked your CV. My name's Grant. I'm the ops manager for a newly started charity. Would you still be interested in the IT support role we advertised? Hell yeah, I thought. I agreed to do an interview on Zoom with them, which all seemed fairly normal and straightforward. Two 20-something guys in casual dress, Grant and Ronnie. It was all friendly enough. Ask me the sorts of questions you'd expect, standard fair interview stuff. They mentioned they'd been having issues connecting their domain to the website they wanted to set up. I said I'd probably be able to fix that, and they basically lost their minds. I was asked by Ronnie, verbatim, This kid we work with sometimes turns off their Microsoft Teams and we can't stop them. Do you know how they're doing that? I guess I should have had an inkling there was something weird going on at this point. What sort of 20-year-old doesn't know how to close a program? 
I had some rose-tinted blinders on because of how eager I was to take a fully remote position. I get a call two hours after the interview. They tell me thanks for applying, but they needed someone with immediate availability. I'd given them a week's notice. I was bummed out, but figured, ah, well, I keep applying for other stuff. Two days later, another call from Grant. He asked me if I'm available and interested in the position. He tells me the applicant they chose turned up to work drunk and high, not taking the piss, absolute mess. I think this is a great opportunity, a chance for me to get into the role I'd missed out on. Pleased I agreed to take the role and asked for a contract to be sent over. I figured, normally with recruitment fraud, this would be the crunch point where things started getting weird and I started getting asked for money to pay for administration checks or something. But nothing of the sort happened. Instead, I received what I suppose you could describe as a contract, replete with butchered spelling and confused dates. They even got the number of weekly hours I was supposed to be doing wrong. There's some back and forth over this, and I eventually receive a halfway legible contract, which I sign in print and send back over to them. There's an address printed on this contract, but it leads to a residential three-bedroom apartment in South England. No apparent relation to the company at all. Okay, so now the weird part begins. I get added to a Teams call for what is normally supposed to be a training session, introducing me to their Office 365 setup, getting the login details for their Wix site, etc. Instead, I'm added to a call with about five people in it, three women I don't know, as well as Grant and Ronnie. The moment I join, Grant starts absolutely shrieking his head off at everyone in the room. He starts threatening people with forced work to make up missed hours, tells people they're taking the piss with not getting their work done, tells them he's going to start random spot checks on everyone to make sure they're actually doing what they're supposed to. He cusses and is being very loud. Everyone else in the meeting is basically silent, awestruck by this hand-forth-tear display of rage. He occasionally cuts himself off to say, Sorry Mike, not you, I know you're new. This goes on for about half an hour. Eventually, everyone is filtered out, leaving just myself, a female member of staff Amanda, Grant and Ronnie. Amanda asks to speak to Ronnie about a welfare issue. They go into a breakout room. I'm left with Grant. At this point, my suspicions are starting to grow. I ask Grant for more information about the charity, after discovering that there is no registered company number, no charity number, no VAT number, no existing website other than their Wix-hosted site in development. The entire organization is a ghost. He explains to me that he was only brought into the company in early November and has been working every day with overtime ever since. That it's a new startup, a real shambles, he tells me there's a CEO, Martin, who I've never heard of until this point. When I asked about funding for the charity, he tells me the money comes from the National Lottery and private donors. There's no further elaboration on this. Two hours later, I get a text message from Ronnie. Grant has been sacked, effective immediately for gross misconduct. I call him wanting some elaboration. He tells me in a conspiratorial tone of voice that Grant has been sexually harassing the female members of staff. I take this at face value as, after that explosive outburst, I didn't think such behavior was beyond the pale for him. I'm meant to start on Monday. Friday evening, I get some more texts from Ronnie. Can you help me ASAP with email? 
Turns out that the Office 365 they'd had previously was in Grant's name, and that Grant had been paying for it with his personal bank details. I get added as a global administration to this new Office 365 account. At this point, I'm very suspicious of the whole arrangement, and I'm not sure who else on this team might be involved in it. Ronnie seems to have little or no work-life separation, regularly sending me texts and asking for phone calls outside of office hours. I turn on the audit log for 365 Security Center on a hunch, and I discover that the supposed payroll manager, Janice, a colleague no one else has spoken to who happens to have the same typing idiosyncrasies as Ronnie, has the same residential IP address as Ronnie. The next day, I'm in a welfare assessment meeting with Amanda, apparently a routine thing that all staff go through. She asks me a handful of questions. Eventually, we start dancing around the subject of the charity's numerous suspicious aspects, and I decided to broach the IP address issue. This apparently set off alarm bells for Amanda, who expresses a lot of discomfort about this. As it turns out, she's had her payment date for her salary pushed back from mid-December to early January in an email from Janice. She's more outspoken and socially bold of a person than I am, and immediately proposes confronting Ronnie about this. I am in awe over it, and Amanda eventually says she's going to talk to him without revealing anything of what I said. Unfortunately, Ronnie persuades Amanda during their conversation that she needs to reveal the information I told her due to safeguarding issues regarding personal data protection. This at first made me extremely suspicious of Amanda, but later developments, as well as an in-person meeting with her and her fiancé, allayed my concerns. Ronnie's reaction, however, <sighs> he flips his shit. He pulls my global admin role from 365 while still leaving me with some other privileges. A curious thing to do, given his performance of being a incompetent Luddite. He also starts using a VPN. He tells Amanda, I've failed my probation, which I did not have as there was no probation period written into my contract, broke IT law, and that he's going to get the police on it. He tells Amanda that Janice was working at his house with him for a few days. Then he calls me sometime later and asks for an explanation as to the IP address thing. I tell him, as he hadn't defined the full scope of my duties as IT support, with no clarity on my responsibilities being made either in my contract or in any communication from him or Grant, that I'd taken it upon myself to also enable appropriate security measures for monitoring machines connecting to the company's software. He accepted this and said, alright, fair enough, and seemed to have just let it go like that. Except he didn't. Two days later, a new member of the team joins. Her name is Marley. Marley is the new team manager, and is responsible for making sure everything is running smoothly with the rest of the staff. She's a gregarious, friendly sort and seems to be well-meaning. I take a liking to her. Ah, uh, my mistake. Ronnie asks Marley to do a supervision with me, which is supposed to be some kind of official meeting to further investigate the IP address issue. Marley makes a show of finding the whole thing ridiculous. She's quick and eager to take my side, agreeing with many of the points I raise about the suspicious nature of the charity. She explains that she's also been getting numerous late-night phone calls and is worried about the security of her salary given the vagueness about funding and other employees' payment dates getting pushed back. 
Ronnie, after my supervision, gets a report from Marley who tells him about Amanda having mentioned the pushback on her salary date. Ronnie then suspends all of Amanda's software access, including the HR software critical to her role and her emails, and sets up a disciplinary meeting between the four of us. Ronnie's late to the call. Marley, Amanda and I discuss the weirdness of the whole situation. Marley and I are told by Amanda that she's lost access to the HR software. Marley still has access. We decide to set a trap for Ronnie. When he finally joins the call, Amanda asks for an explanation on why she's had her access to the HR software revoked. Ronnie tells her the software is being updated, no one can get on it. Marley promptly points out that she still has access, so that is obviously a lie. Ronnie stammers for a moment, mutters something about looking into it, and then promptly turns robotic on the call and loses connection. Marley, Amanda, and I make a secure group chat to discuss everything away from teams. Marley confides in us that she believes she's only been hired to spy on Amanda, and that Ronnie has been constantly asking her to find a way to get rid of me. I discovered the next day, through means of magic fowl I shall not utter into this void, that Marley was a plant brought in by Ronnie. She was helping Ronnie by gaining my and Amanda's trust, finding out what we knew about him, and figuring out a way to get rid of us in a way that could look legitimate to other employees. Marley's boyfriend was due to be brought in the following week as an independent reviewer hired by the CEO, who made clear in no small words that his sole purpose was to find me guilty of gross misconduct and promptly have me sacked. At this point, I was just royally sick of the bullshit blazing. My anxiety, fretting about my mortgage and my bills, whether I'd see my salary from this, gave way to what I can only describe as a ferocious need to see this neurotic moron who'd been fucking me around get binned. I picked up the phone and called Ronnie. He let it go to voicemail. I texted him, demanding he call me immediately. He told me he was in a training course and wasn't available. I said I didn't give a shit and that he needed to call me now. He asked what it was about. I just called him. He picked up this time, asked in a quiet voice what the matter was. I told him, it's all getting a bit silly now. You're going to be honest about what's really going on here. Why are you trying to get me sacked for looking at IP addresses on software you hired me to manage? And why are you being evasive about payslips? He immediately puts the phone down. I relay this information to some other colleagues who quickly come round to my way of thinking about the situation. I discover, much to my unsurprised disgust, evidence of sexual harassment of female colleagues on Ronnie's part. I call Ronnie again. I demand, rather more aggressively in tone, that he demonstrate proof of the company's ability to pay its employees for the services they've rendered. He shouted back at me, right, I'm calling the police, and put the phone down again. He locks me out of my 365 account completely. An hour or two passes of Ronnie calling all the members of staff. Eventually, I finally get added to another group call, this time between myself, Ronnie, and to my surprise, Grant, who has appeared, re-emerged into the picture with a terrible grievance against the CEO, who has failed to pay him to the tune of $3,000 for his hours worked and overtime pay. In this call, Ronnie changes his story claiming that the problem with payments is because of Martin, the CEO, and that he had started work as a volunteer but later demanded payment for that volunteer work and received £608 into his account. He said he would show proof of this on his bank statement, which he didn't send through to anyone. 
Ronnie also claimed that his own salary was now three months in arrears and that he also found the situation suspicious. When challenged on why he didn't share this information with us originally, he had no answer. When asked why he kept working for the charity when his salary was three months in arrears, he claimed he liked the work. At this point, I've accepted I'm never seeing the money I'm owed. I grabbed some work as a delivery driver for a local takeaway while I get myself organized again. I really, really want to see this idiot go down for what he's done, though. Single mother parents and students with debt arrears have been laboring under false pretense in belief they'll be paid for their work. It's disgusting and abusive. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.